Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, Kinsey Schofield here with the To Die For Daily podcast. And I've got, uh, this is a hard introduction, Chris Levine, because I want to say you just are a genius. How do you describe what you do and how do you describe yourself? Because you're not just a photographer. Oh, I'm touched, but uh, no, it's all about, for me, it's about light. You know, I work with light and often, you know, I get called a photographer because some of my most well-known work, they're photographs and they're in a national portrait gallery or, but, but actually my, my work is about light. And in the case of portraiture, it's about capturing the subject's inner light. But what I'm often trying to do with the work as an artist working with light is to try to take people towards stillness. Yeah. And, you know, I think at a point of stillness, it's a portal to the divine and it's, 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 it's a meditative thing. You know, um, you know, I think a lot of my best ideas and direction increasingly is informed through getting still and out of meditation. And with my work, I'm trying to make, give, give people even just for brief moments, you know, take them into a meditative state where something profound happens, you know, you recalibrate and, you know, the world's crazy out there and it's getting crazier by the day. And if I can lead people to a point with, with my art and just give them moments of refuge where you're not thinking about, you know, you you, it's a much more kind of heart conscious kind of awareness that you're not caught up in the noise in the mind. You know, sometimes we can wake up in the morning and, you know, we've been, our minds have been busy all night in dreams and you can wake up feeling completely unrested and we're not taught how to get still. And, you know, for me, it was a big turning point in my life. And, you know, when I shot, shot the queen, it was, it was around the time where I was just getting into meditation and I was feeling really evangelical about it. You know, the world meditated, you know, there'd be no more wars. We'd be more compassionate. People would love each other. You know, we'd look after each other, you know, and, it's uh, so whenever I go, you know, away, and I regularly go on these ten-day um, retreats of vows of silence, and I come in really, uh, you know, when, when I come back, I'm I really just why isn't the world meditate? Why aren't we teaching the kids to meditate? You know, why aren't we all meditating? And what a different planet it would be! But um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I'm, think getting, it, I'm getting evangelical again. I love it. I think uh, well, what I really appreciate about you because I did a lot of research on you. Um, not well first of all i just want to say we're talking today because you're in this brilliant new documentary called portrait of the queen and to, for me personally um it was a highlight to see and to see you and hear you talk about uh, working with um, her majesty but you're just really kind and gracious and explaining your art and that's not necessarily the case with brilliant artists they're usually like if you don't get it you don't get it but you are so um overwhelmingly kind and giving when it comes to explaining what your objectives are. So uh, I'm, I, I feel so privileged to speak to you. Um, and I understand you thought it was a joke, a, a very specific friend. You had the guy in mind or the woman in mind um, when you got the call that the queen would like to have her photo taken by you. Um, can you explain that a little bit to me? Yeah, because I, I, I got the call completely out of the blue. And I thought it was a friend of mine pulling my leg because, you know, I'd, I'd shot rock stars and, you know, Indian guru even. But a portrait of the queen as a hologram that just seemed too far-fetched. So I, so I, so I went along with it thinking, oh, I know <laughs> my friend Steve. Yeah, I know. I know. And um, 
but it was no then it got but then i was summoned to a meeting at the national portrait gallery and then i knew even then i was a bit suspect but 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 and actually i got there and i realized okay this is for real but then i thought well you know this this por- whole point of the portrait was to mark 800 years of history 800 years since jersey the island of jersey and the channel islands broke away from france and pledged allegiance to the crown and they wanted to mark that with a modern portrait and of the queen and I I just, you know, I thought I'm not worthy. You know, I, I thought maybe portraiture would be something I'd do later on in my career. But I honestly went to that first meeting at the National Portrait Gallery thinking they were going to shoot me down. You know, how audacious. What right did I have to shoot a portrait of the Queen, a historic portrait of the Queen, to mark 800 years of history? Where's my big body of portraiture? And, you know, because I hadn't, I'd only done one or two projects. I'd been experimenting with it, thinking, you know, it's an aspect of what I do, but it's something, as I say, I thought I might do do later. But then when I, got to the meeting with the director of the national portrait gallery and one of the the the, the top guys from jersey was that no on the contrary they really supported the, the the choice for me i was one of a short list of artists and i was the wild card because you know there were these household name artists and then there was me who might take it into the future and the whole point was to create a modern image that would celebrate the modern relationship of the crown so you know, it didn't need to be an oil painting or something more traditional. It was all about, you know, you know, and the medium would some be part of communicating that that modernity. And I actually got a huge amount of support for the National Portrait Gallery, and they were, you know, right behind the commission. So it was, I could, you know, I could relax then. And then it was in the diary for three years before I actually did it. But it's I had plenty of time to think about it. Um, no, it was a great honor. I cannot imagine three years to prepare for that moment. Does that increase the anxiety level when you walk in the room? Uh, it, well, I was quite blasé. I mean, three years is fine. Plenty. Of, it's in the future. I don't have to worry about it now. I mean, I was really nervous about the meeting at the National Portrait Gallery, and I thought, I thought, I, I really thought I might leave the meeting and it's all over, you know, because I'm not, you know, they they've got like say these really household name artists that, that everyone knows have done lots of portraiture and. What they, what I was, you know, because I went in there. I mean, I, I wanted to do it, but I thought, you know, they're going to give it to a more traditional artist. And you know, what one of the points of 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 the commission was to celebrate the modernity. And I, I felt if I'm going to do this, I want to create something that's an evolution of portraiture. I mean, she's the most portrayed woman in history, and you know, so I wanted to do something which would take it you know to the next stage you know we're, we're in, 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 a, in a different era and i wanted to do something that would be an evolution in portraiture and so you know working in 3d was part of that but i just wanted to connect with a subject in a way that hadn't been done before and i remember i mean years later when i did it in the national portrait gallery their their official statement was, it was the most evocative image of a royal by any artist Wow. And that was that was a moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I thought, because just looking at the images, the palace, even today, has such a controlled brand and it doesn't really fit the narrative. So it is kind of exciting that they would take a chance on someone like you, because it's not like you said, it's not what you expected to see it. Do you think that that is, and I know you've said before that we use the word iconic almost like grossly too much, but do you believe that's why your art is so iconic? Because they, somebody did take a chance and somebody said, Hey, we're going to go in this completely different direction and it's going to rock everyone's worlds when they see it. Well, I think credit there goes to 
Gordon Young, who's the curator that that Jersey appointed, and that he put me forward because you know he, he felt that the direction I was taking my work at the time with light would really turn everything upside down and would be you know a really positive statement you know light over darkness i mean light is fundamental and it you know so i was given that opportunity which was daunting in a way because okay, i was given a lot of freedom and i assumed that there'd be rings and rings of bureaucracy and people telling me what needed to be in the image and there'd be whole committees to, to telling me what i needed to do to make the portrait but there was none of that you know, I, I thought because it was commissioned by Jersey, it would have to have the three leopards of Jersey, Mont Orgyle Castle in the background, and all these props and suggestions. And but none of that it was left entirely up to me. And what I wanted to do, and what it, it's my process and everything I do, really working with an art as as an artist, is to distill it to essence and to take and to really um, purify in any way I can through each stage of the creative process is to simplify. I don't want any, anything extra. I just want to get to the essence, you know, get it to really resonate. So a week before the sitting, I got a call from Her Majesty's assistant, Angela Kelly, to ask what would I like her to wear? And up until then, I've been thinking, you know, well, you know, she's going to turn up on the day and I'm going to work with the Queen. She's the Queen of England. I'm not going to tell her what to wear. She's going to wear what she wants to wear and I'm going to make her portrait. But no, then I got, oh, was, you know, wow, I got to start thinking about, well, what would I like her to wear? Um, so I went to meet Angela at Buckingham Palace, was, was able to go through the wardrobe and look at the various garments. And so I chose and styled what she wore, you know, from the crown that she wore, the diadem, through, you know, I wanted one line of pearls, not her usual three. And in, in everything I was doing in, in the process was just trying to simplify it. Mm. And I wanted to make something, you know, that would really resonate. And so I didn't want to get any kind of distractions or noise or too much. You know, I just wanted to kind of keep it and create something that would really kind of vibrate, resonate. Well, uh, it's interesting that you say light in the darkness, because I think that one of the messages I got throughout Portrait of the Queen was that the Queen was really the light in the darkness. So, you know, I think that that's a perfect, a, a perfect way to describe the, the work you created together, the objective that you had, and just the queen in general, because, you know, she was a constant and she was, you know, even over here in the States, she was a constant and she, you know, was a comforting figure. Um, some of the photographers talked about just looking at images of her uh, composure and strength. Was that Though, are those two words words that you would use to describe her in working with her and, and in getting to know her in a short period of time? Well, I had, I had two sittings with her, and both were quite different. I mean, originally, you know, it was in, in the diary for three years, and it was one sitting, and I had to get it right in that first sitting. There was no second chance. And, you know, and it was, that was quite a challenge in itself because we, d we developed a new camera, especially for it to shoot the 3D there's lots could go wrong and things kind of did go wrong but we you know no one knew that but us and my technical team but and we 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 got we we got through the sitting and i thought i had it in the can I thought fantastic and literally her majesty left after an hour and a half and i literally lay down on the on the floor thinking i've done it hallelujah there's so much good to go i'm literally lying down there after like three years build up and then we've got it done i knew i had the material to work in post-production i knew i could do all kinds of things with it and um 
and I'm still lying on the floor. And then one of her aides walks back into the room, the yellow drawing room. I literally have to get up and you know brush myself down. And I said, well, Her Majesty enjoyed that. If you'd like another sitting, you just have to write. So then I got, uh, then I had hindsight, basically. Then I could look at what I'd shot in the first sitting and make some fine adjustments. And, and but also I think on the first sitting, I, I think she partly why she offered me the second sitting was, is that I don't really think, and that's, looking back on it it was a very different mood that she had in the first sitting when i met her there was a lot going on in the press at the time with prince charles he was getting in the neck for something i don't know what was happening but george bush was staying at the palace security was really tight there was so much going on i just don't think this was the day for her to have her portrait done yeah. of course she did because it was in the diary for so long and she she does what she does very well and that's her duty and she did it but the second sitting which she offered me uh when she turned up, it was so different. She was so relaxed and Chris, nice to see you. And it was all very easy. Whereas in the first sitting, she was quite dour and quite, you know, and quite, she didn't really engage much. She did everything I asked her to do. And, you know, she, you know, she, she, she worked with me, but the second sitting was where the magic happened, oh, you know, wow. and I was able to look at what I'd shot in the first sitting and I made some final little, little tweaks and adjustments that really made all the difference. And, you know, I mean, for instance, I asked for, on the first on the first sitting, I, I had the camera looking up at her. So she was like looking up almost with, and I asked for a selection of capes because I felt that she'd changed the cape. She can change the look very quickly. And she had a simple A-line dress. And I thought a different cape, different look, like a fashion shoot. You can try this, you can try that, try it, try it, try it, light it, all these, none of that. Because uh, of the camera and the 3D, I need to be very specific about you know the distance of the subject how it was lit you know and the to, to get the right 3d but i could change the look really quickly by just changing the cape putting a different cape on and in the first sitting when she she put she had a, quite a military cape and when the camera was looking up at her and it looks like you know she looked quite it quite dictatorial oh, <laughs> it was yeah. not like this of being it was a very very different look not powerful. very meditative um, it, it wasn't meditative at all. Um, it was a very different thing, and it, it spoke in, in all kinds of different ways. But it wasn't, you know, wasn't what I where I wanted to take it. But I was because then I had hindsight, I could look at that and think, oh, okay. So I'm going to change the camera angle. And I realised that in the first city, when she put the ermine on, that was it. You know, forget the military caves or what. It was the ermine. This was the one with the fur, and it was just, it was just, you know, I felt somehow that I just channeled it. You know. And it was beautiful. And so the second sitting, I just focused on that and just went for the shot. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just wanted to tweak it, change the lighting slightly, change the camera angle. And she was much more relaxed. And also I was timing the camera movement because the camera moved along the track and shot the 3D, the 3D images from left to right. And while the camera's moving, sometimes the subject tends to kind of watch. You can't help but watch, watch, watch the camera. You do so I created a, an ultraviolet crucifix and I had that set behind the camera. So she's looking at that the camera. Was, well, so while the camera's moving past, you're looking at the cross in the distance without you know, being distracted by the camera. So the, the formal portrait, Equanimity, which is in the castle in Jersey, and it was on the cover of Time magazine. When you look at that with her eyes open, she looks like she's looking right through you, oh. right into the distance. And it's a really... It's really powerful. And it's, it's something I use, you know, it's been something that I do with, with all my subjects now is using, using this cross. But there are also other 
techniques that, that I use. Um, for instance, I is to get the, the subject to stillness, to get them really quiet and into that point of stillness where the, you could, the reveals more like an inner truth, inner light. And for instance, I did Elton John's portrait for his retirement a couple of weeks ago, and I used a sound, certain sound frequency. I had him sitting on this sound free, the speaker, the sound frequency, and it emitted this this tone, which really does relax you. And one three six point one hertz, it is if anyone's interested. And then um, you you can, and it almost chilled it out a bit too much. But it's but with with with, with Her Majesty, I didn't use sound, but I did use. I had incense burning. I had a candle. I had to get this ultraviolet cross. And in the distance in the room, I had these, this, this, what I call a color modulator, which are these three discs, which are changing color really slowly. You barely see they're changing. You look at them for a long time. And so it's just creating an ambience of, you know, calm and it's, um, and it works, you know, and so all my subjects, you know, including the Dalai Lama, and I use these, different techniques to more and more amusing sound but i use these techniques to just calm and center and to get in touch with a, you know something deeper than you know just the, the visual of what they look like i'm trying to get connect with their with their spirit really oh that's so beautiful and now a word from our sponsor I feel like you would be appalled if you saw on my on my iPhone how much time I you know how you get those alerts that are like you spent four hours this week on social media. No. You would take my phone away from me. Is base? I'm going to start meditating after this interview because I'm. Oh so yeah. What you're saying? Um, no, I read that your shoots were and you're you've described this a little bit. Were highly technical, taking hours of preparation to achieve the necessary number of portraits. Um, so. Is the the queen a patient person, or is this all set up before she arrives? Is this is the process ongoing as you're shooting? Yeah. So we so I mean, for instance, with the queen, we were in Buckingham Palace for three days setting up the equipment. So that was all set up, and I had a, a knew exactly what height she was, and so everything set up, and I had someone to stand in while we could do the lighting. So when Her Majesty arrived, we could get straight down to work. Right. And we knew, you know, exactly how tall she was because that was really important with the geometry for the 3D. So, no, there's a, a lot of pre-production and planning and installation to to do the sitting, but that's always before the subject arrives. You know, the, the Dalai Lama, I only had him for 15 minutes, but you know, we we spent two days setting up the cameras and everything so that when he arrived, we could just get straight to it. Oh, how exciting. I love your life. Um, in 2022, you said seeing the work on stamps and currency is quite surreal, and I'm honored. Did you ever in your wildest dreams? Um, I mean, you're so you're you think outside of the box on a daily basis. And this apparently is one of those things that you never saw coming. Did you manifest this in any way? <laughs> I think we manifest everything and more and more as, as you know as I get older it's all about manifesting you know and I think that's the thing with meditation it gets you to the point where you're dealing with life as it is not as you want it to be but reality as it is because if you you know we want it to, our life to be or this shape or that or we want it to work like this and we, but no if you start with the things as they really are then you can, from that point, you can make things happen because you're dealing with the truth. You're dealing with reality. And, but I, but no, the, uh, the currency thing was not, you know, but I think, you know, going with the flow of things, you know, I, I helped, helped to happen, but no, originally the, the commission was just for one portrait, one light box that was going to be in the castle. 
everything else that happened and all the other things that have happened since that I can trace back to, you know, the portrait of the Queen. I mean, I've got to shoot some incredible subjects. And I always thought portraiture was something I'd do later on in my career, but I guess maybe I am later on in my career. I mean, this is, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's been amazing that, you know, because all my subjects have come to me. I've not, I didn't go out looking for the Queen portrait. Um, I mean, I didn't, you know, with, with the Dalai Lama was, was, I mean, I, I, he doesn't sit for formal portraits, you know, and I, I, and I, people would always ask me after the Queen, who would I best like to shoot? You know, you've done the Queen, it's downhill all the way, isn't it? You've done it. Um, but it was always David Bowie and the Dalai Lama, you know, um, that, the spiritual leader of our time. And, and Bowie, I was, you know, was really influential in my work at art school and everything. I, I and I felt, um, and we, I was going to shoot him. You know, sadly, he passed. But the Dalai Lama. But so, what happens? This little story here. What happened, and how the Dalai Lama portrait came about? I would always say the Dalai Lama because people would ask me a lot. You know, so it'd be my standard response. Oh yeah, Bowie and the Dalai Lama. And um, I went to meet a colleague of mine who I was working down at the Eden Project, which is down in Cornwall, right far down the south of England. And I live in London, and so to meet halfway sometimes with the creative director, he, he, rather than me go all the way down there or him come to London. So I went to meet him off the train. I hadn't seen him for several months. I met Peter off the train, gave him a hug, and his phone rang. He said, oh, I just get that. Just, and it was, oh, Peter, it's Tibet House. And, and Tibet House knew that Peter knew me, and they were looking at this idea of doing the Dalai Lama's 80th birthday portrait, and the curator said, oh, I'll, I'll call my friend Peter. He knows Chris, and perhaps he can put us in touch. Oh, Peter, can you put, you've got Chris's contact details. Perhaps you could pass them on and we, you could, we could get in touch with him. He said, yeah, there, here he is. That was a Dalai Lama. So then you like, like, bing, you know, something, something's going on outside of our bandwidth of perception. Reality is, you know, we just see that much of it. But, you know, there's a much bigger thing going on. And if you can just be open to it, these kind of things happen. I mean, it's bizarre. It says um, so but, much about your work that these opportunities are are just appear out of. I mean, it says so much about your hard work because you know we, we see the way that people market themselves today. People market themselves so much more today. Everyone is a brand today, thanks to social media, and you just worked incredibly hard, and it was word of mouth, and like you said, the universe making magic happen. So I think that speaks volumes for for your talent. But can I just say my favorite? Mm is the Diamond Jubilee portrait. And this is, I, I can't, I'm so sorry, I can't remember who you partnered with, but actual diamond. Asprey. Uh, Asprey. Asprey, the jewelers, yeah. Yes, put on this beautiful portrait. Um, how did that idea come about? Yeah, well, I got approached by Asprey, and that was for the Diamond Jubilee. It was to do a, 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 a diamond rendition of the portrait. And so it used 1,100 diamonds, and it had one of them, which was this huge rock in the middle. And it was to celebrate the Diamond Jubilee in 2012. And so yeah, absolutely, an interesting piece. I mean, just visually stunning. And it, it, I don't know if this was the intention, but because so much of your work involves light, diamonds so beautifully, you know, when you see them in light, it, it, it takes your breath away. So that was one of my favorite pieces. Now, I didn't mm. realize you'd spent some time with the king. Um, he, he's actually the one that revealed the portrait. And then you had dinner with him. He had a, a literal run-in with your wife, which was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> he seems to be a very creative individual. And he seems to 
really, you know, um, be intrigued by artists. Did he pick your brain about some of your, some of the ways that you use light? Did he pick your brain about your art when you got to spend some time with him? Yeah, well, as you say, he, he, he did unveil it. He sw literally switched it on in Jersey and he, he was really into it. You know, he gave me a lot of support and he was really, he's, he's got an incredible sense of humor. Um, <laughs> he's a very funny, funny man. And actually, I hope to be doing his portrait. Um, it's almost breaking news. Well, let's see how that plays out. But, you know, he did be lovely. You know, he, he unveiled the, the, the portrait of his mother. And now that he's passed with Jersey, it's there, you know, to, to celebrate the, the relationship between Jersey and the crown. It just, was just a, a no brainer. So I think it's, yeah, you know, I, but it's a challenge. So to do a portrait of the king compared to what I did with his mother, it's a very different I'll take a very different approach and I have something I, I can already see kind of what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. Watch this well, space. I don't want to spoil that because I know that that will be a sacred special time, but could you tell me just off the top of your head, what would you do for a Prince William portrait? Well, he did. He, I, I did speak to Prince William and actually, and I saw Kate last week, you know, as you do No, but I was li literally, complete surprise was introduced to Kate at a festival in in um in Norfolk in England last week but I met William um just when she was pregnant with her first child and did talk about doing portrait um but I'm not really a family portrait <laughs> but I would love to do William and Kate um he, he and... will be he will be king one day would you no completely you did yeah. do you it, it's almost like you wanted to purify the queen and it does sound like you want a little pizzazz with king charles but for a king william do you think that you'd go all in or do, would you purify him too <laughs> i don't know with, with charles i'm thinking of two different directions and two images which would you know tell the story um but with william it's about, i think it's about connecting with the subject and when that's going to happen I think you know, like I think with 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 the Queen, it's, I sometimes feel I just channeled it, yeah. and so I'll you know just be guided to to do what 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 I'm meant to do really. Um, I'm trying to I manifest a, this uh, for you, Chris. I'm trying to manifest for the <laughs> both of us. I'm ready to be your assistant, your photography assistant. <laughs> okay. Hey. <laughs> well, you were um, such a joy to speak with. Like I said, I can't stress enough how, how beautiful your work is, how brilliant you are, and just how kind, sincerely kind you are to give people like me the time of day and to explain, you know, your motivation and your objectives. Um, and again, Portrait of the Queen, I, was, I lit up when it was your time when I got to watch you explain your relationship and, and that experience with Queen Elizabeth. And um, I, I, I'm so grateful for your time today. So thank you. And, and that documentary for everybody wondering comes out September 5th. They can stream it. Chris is a joy in that documentary. You get to hear even more about his interaction with Queen Elizabeth II. And thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed that. Thanks a lot, Kinsey. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye.